Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this chance to be together. Thank you for this chance to reflect on your word and on your story. We pray that you would speak to us this day and guide our reflections. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, what a pleasure it is to have all of us together today. College students, friends and family from far away, children, visitors, it's good to see all of you. I'd like you to think about a question this morning. What does God want for you? Not from you, but for you. Sometimes we get so preoccupied thinking about what God wants from us that we can forget about what he wants for us. Our readings this morning chronicle what God wants for us, what stands in the way of us receiving that, and the only way we can receive what he wants for us. We'll look at each of these in turn. In short, this is what God wants for us to know the joy of his presence, and to share life with him. In the early chapters of the Bible, God's people enjoyed what he wanted for them. They literally lived in paradise. Everything was provided for them. There were no 401ks to worry about, no bills, no frustrating conversations at work. No need for health insurance reform because there was no illness. No need for climate change treaties. No need for armies or soldiers or wars. It was a vastly different world than the one we know today. But then one day, paradise was destroyed. All of a sudden, there was a barrier keeping God's people from what he wanted for them. It was a barrier that had not been put up by some outside force. It was something God's people had placed there themselves. They had erected a Berlin Wall, so to speak, that cut them off from what God wanted for them. He had given them instructions on how to flourish in paradise, but they soon chose to disregard those instructions. We saw that in the first passage that was read in this service. I wasn't there in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve when that happened, when that wall was put up. But I have spent much of my life adding to that wall, making it bigger and stronger and taller. I'm reminded of a little girl who knew that she wasn't supposed to take her crowns and color on the, the walls of her family's home. Her parents had given her very specific instructions not to do that and had told her that crowns were only for paper. One day, this little girl went to her mother and said, Mommy, can I have a piece of tape? And her mother was curious because her daughter had never used tape. But she said, sure, honey, let's go to the kitchen. And so mother and daughter walk to the kitchen, and the mom reaches up to the cupboard, pulls down the scotch tape, and and hands a little piece to her daughter. 
Her daughter went away, and curious, the mom quietly peeked around the corner to see her daughter take a piece of Kleenex and walk over to the wall where there was a drawing on the wall and tape the Kleenex over the drawing. (laughs) All of us sin from an early age. And there may be times when we can hide it from other people, but there isn't enough Kleenex in the world to hide it from God. (laughs) When we sin, two things happen. Our intimacy with God is lost, And a barrier is placed between us and God. This is the roadblock that we have faced for centuries. Over the years, God tried so many different ways to woo his people back into his presence. God is the ultimate unrequited lover. So many times he he sought to woo his people back only to have them keep rejecting him. That brings us to where we are today. Jesus knew there was only one way to give what he wanted to give to his people. Many years ago, one of my relatives faced a situation where there was only one way to get what he wanted and what he needed. If you've seen the movie Public Enemies, you can imagine the situation that Floyd Miller faced. Public Enemies does a great job of depicting certain aspects of American life in the early 1930s, a time when organized crime was much more visible to the public than it is today. It's in that historical setting that Floyd Miller Sr. sat high atop a hill in Missouri. He had been down that road many times, And he did not normally pause there. But that night, he knew that something was not right. He was taking a load of grain fresh from the harvest to the granary. The night was still and there was little traffic. But as he reached the top of the hill, he knew he wasn't alone. Before him, the hill dipped steeply, forming a valley before another hill jutted up. And in the trough of this valley were two cars parked end to end, blocking the road, with a group of men milling about, all with guns. It was the perfect place for mobsters to loot passersby, because their would-be prey wouldn't be able to see them until it was too late. As Floyd weighed his options, he knew there was only one way out. He knew his truck was too large and the road too narrow to turn around and go back. He knew that if he stopped at the bottom of the hill, there would be no negotiating. He thought it's either me or them. So he put this massive truck in gear and floored it. As he barreled down the hill, at first nothing was happening. But then the cars began to separate, he flew past them and up the other side of the hill to safety. No shots were exchanged. There are some situations when there is only 
one way to get something accomplished. Jesus knew this was one of those situations. He would have to do what we could not. Live a human life free from sin and then offer that life on the cross for our redemption. Jesus is a fierce lover of your soul. Though you and I have rejected his love for us so many times, he keeps coming back and says, look what I have for you. Please accept this gift. And he was willing to do the only thing that could bring us into his presence. But there's one thing I have a hard time wrapping my mind around about this whole thing. And that's this. When we choose to believe in what Jesus did for us, he doesn't just hit the reset button. If, you play, if you're playing a video game and you mess up or you use all your lives, you can hit the reset button and start over at the beginning and have a fresh shot and try to do better, to not make the same mistakes, to try and make it further than last time. Jesus doesn't just hit the reset button. He doesn't just take down the barrier and then expect us to do better next time. He takes down the barrier and he keeps it down. He knows that we will keep messing up. We will keep sinning. We will keep rebelling. But he gives us a gift that I cannot do justice to with words. He wants to be part of your life now. And he wants you to spend eternity with him in his presence. But he will never force that on you. We need to decide whether or not we want to be in God's presence. We need to decide what we believe about Jesus. We're used to deciding what we believe about people all the time. An interesting thing happened when Bertie Madoff went to jail. He left public society where the vast majority of people viewed him as a villainous crook, somebody to be despised. But as he entered prison, he entered a community where most of the people there viewed him with great respect. One inmate who was interviewed by the Wall Street Journal said, to every con artist, he is the godfather, the Don. One man, two views. People have spent a lot of time lately making up their mind about Tiger Woods. And the chances are pretty good that you and I have spent more time making up our minds about Tiger Woods in the past few weeks than we have about Jesus. Deciding what you believe about Jesus is the most important thing you will ever do in your life. And it is the only thing left standing in the way of whether or not you receive what God wants for you. If you have never made up your mind about Jesus and embraced what he is offering you, I encourage you to do that. Please note that going to church is not the same thing 
as making up your mind about Jesus. At some point, each of us have to speak to him directly and tell us, tell him what we think about him. In a moment, I'm going to ask all of us to talk to Jesus individually and silently. If you've never talked with him, you don't need to worry about using the right words. Just be yourself. If you are still making up your mind about him and have questions for him, I encourage you to ask him those questions. If you have never made up your mind about him, but would like to receive what he has for you, I encourage you to tell him that. And if you have already embraced what he has for you, I encourage you to give, you, to give him thanks. Let's take a few moments now, silently, and talk with him. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you are willing to spend your life and do the only thing that could bring us back into your presence. Thank you for that. I pray that all of us here would live in that reality each day. It's in your name we pray. Amen.